after Easter. It's almost like Easter hangover Sunday, so I'm glad you guys are here. You've made it. Uh, you had some coffee, hopefully, and made it here. Uh, I'm so stoked to start this uh, new series, uh, Models, Mentors, and, and Moms, this week. And, and I'm really actually double stoked because I'm not going to be sharing the message today. Someone uh, else is. We happen to have our uh, missionary, Neil Allsback. He uh, just happened to go to Mexico missions, and I said, well, what are you, I got a really good idea. How about you come speak here and double your workload? And I mean, uh, during your time, that would be a really great opportunity for you, you know. Uh, I'm just thinking about him. It's not that I got a break or nothing like that. And so um, he'll be coming up in just a second. Uh, I just had a note on the baseball tickets there. They're only 10 bucks right now. Someone actually donated money to cover half the cost. They were 20 Now they're 10 And uh, so those are 10 bucks. And we have 50 of them all in a big group together. So uh, first 50 sign up. If we over uh, get more than that, then we can call them back and get another set of it. But so go ahead and sign up for that. Uh, all you need is uh, put your name on there and then the amount of tickets on that list that, that you need. And bring a friend, bring five friends, bring 10 friends. That's all right. We can always get a couple of more. That's so fantastic. So just want to let you know that. And so um, I'm debating on whether to do the shouts. I'm going to go ahead and do the shouts. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God, and I love you. And in that vein, let's invite uh, Missionary Neil up. Come on, Missionary Neil, come on up. He's going to share God's Word all right, with us on the particular topic of being a role model in life. And, and I don't know if I know many other people that would be better to speak on this on, on role model than you and your family. And so thank you for being here with us. Um, we'll pray for him at the very end of that and then send him out. But he's going to share God's Word. So let's open up our hearts and hands. Bless you, brother. Well, I'm no Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but I am here, so <laughs> I'll do the best that, best that I can. Um, I'm just going to pray before we get started here. Father God, I just um, thank you for this place. I thank you for Jericho Road. I thank you for the meaning behind it. I thank you for the people that are part of this, um, this congregation, uh, whether online right now or or here in person, Father. Um, we just ask you to bless them, draw them together, help them to be strong so that um, they would be even more effective as they reach out to others. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Yeah, I'll give you a little update. Um, uh, if you don't know Darcy and I, we've been supported by your church for, for a long time, and we're so appreciative of that for for the prayer and the finances and for just your faithfulness, for opening your building to a normally rowdy group of teens and young adults that were uh, on our, on our uh, Mexico trip with us. Uh, this year was a little different for us. Um, when Darcy and I went, um, uh, came down because of some restrictions and stuff still at the Canadian border, we weren't able to bring a group. But we met a family uh, that is from Keniston who now lives in the state of Washington. We went down with them and uh, just had a great time of, of just doing life together with them and being with them and uh, uh, being a part of uh, what God's doing in their lives. Uh, quick, quick rundown on our family. Our oldest son, Jesse, um, is... Uh, now working as a missionary with the same organization that we're with. He's going to be doing some stuff on the reserve, but he's mainly going to be doing recruiting. And um, so as you're praying for us, you can, you can remember Jesse and, and his role with, 
with NAME, that's the organization that we're with as well. Our second uh, child, Elise, is married in Florida. She has uh, three children. Her and her husband are, are down there, uh, part of a local church there. And our third, Emily, her and her husband, she married a Costa Rican, and she's in Costa Rica, and they're full-time missionaries down there, ministering in the same village where, where he grew up as a, as a young person. So you can, uh, as you're praying for us, pray for them as well. And then our youngest is at PCC in Florida, um, Pensacola Christian College, and he's studying engineering there. So uh, if you think about them, uh, it's a little bit of what's going on with them. I just want to read uh, some scripture here. It says, Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. That's kind of a bold statement that Paul said. He says, imitate me. Imitate things that, that I do. But as believers, we are uh, to set a, an example of Christ's likeness, no matter uh, who we are. Uh, many years ago at Kiniston, we had, we had a lot of, of opportunities to work with youth when we first went there. Kiniston is the reserve in Canada that we work at. We work with um, what they call First Nations people up there, but Native people, Native Americans is what um, they'd refer to here. And it's a really uh, different place, culturally uh, very, very um, religious uh, as far as their traditional religion. So it's an atmosphere that it's hard to grow up in for those young people or people who are seeking or, or open to Christ because there are so many deterrents uh, from that. There's a lot of pressure from the elders and um, the religious, spiritual, religious people on the reserve uh, against those things. So I'll give you kind of a context of, of where we're coming from. But um, we, were, we have a summer missions program where we have missionaries that come from different churches and places and Bible schools that uh, take part and, and spend the summer uh, in, on different reserves, reservations in, in Canada. And uh, I, Darcy and I were part of the, the group that, that taught um, those people. Uh, actually, Arjun and Yuli were on that program, and I think Thomas came too. Uh, a few years back as well, so I encourage you guys to to look into that if you're interested. But um, one of the things that uh, I did is I sat down our youth group, and there's probably 30 young people at that time, and I sat them down and I said, if you were teaching somebody um, what they should do or how they should be when they come to you guys, what would you tell them? because I have to do this in a couple weeks, and so I was asking them, what, what, if you were there teaching, what would you tell them? And, and uh, they said, we need role models, is what they said. We don't have role models. We don't have positive role models in our community, and we need people that will come and role model good things for us, because we need that. I was shocked when they said that because not usually people don't just say I need to be taught good things, you know, because usually teenagers sort of know everything already. But they were saying, no, man, we, we, need, we, we were, this is what we really need. And it's what the whole community needed and, and, and still needs. 
One of the role models in my life that was really instrumental to me and super encouraging to me was a professor that I had in Bible school. I went to Bible school. We just had um, missions courses. We had a guy that was there, and and, um, he was okay, you know, teaching us about missions and culture and all this stuff. And and, uh, he ended up going to another college partway through um, my schooling there. And so they got a new missions prof, and he walked into the room, and, I, and it was different for me because this guy was Ethiopian, and his name was Mamo Dababa. And he came with a whole different perspective on, on missions and on, on backgrounds, and he's a guy that lived out his faith. Um, he was our friend, he would come and sit down and turn a chair around, and he would sit there and he would talk to us and share with us. And uh, in a lot of ways, he just, he just treated us like uh, a friend. But when he was in Ethiopia, he was actually put in prison because of his, his faith for Jesus Christ. And he said he was in a very small cell. They would put so many people in the cell that... You had to take turns laying down, so you would have people laying on the floor and then people standing against the wall. And then every couple hours, you would switch places. You would lay down, and then those people would, would stand up. And he said, in, in that cell, one of the traditions that they had when you went in there is you had to tell some kind of a joke. Like this was, to, to get in with these guys, you had to tell some kind of joke. So Mamo's in there because he's a Christian. These other guys are criminals or whatever he's in there with. And they're going, okay, you, you got to tell a joke or whatever, right? And, and he had heard some of them talking before. And the jokes were not great jokes. They were dirty jokes. They were jokes about women. They were all these kind of, of, of coarse kind of jokes. And he's in this prison cell jammed in with all these people. And he said, would you guys talk about your mother that way? They're like, well, no, and he's going, well, why, why are you making up these jokes like this, you know? And he told them a riddle. And they loved the riddle so much that everybody that came in after that had to tell a riddle instead of telling a dirty joke of some kind. So even in prison, this guy was a, a role model or an example to these guys um, of, of what a, a Christian was. And uh, like I said, he was just a friend to us, but he would take us out of the classroom and we would go see things and observe stuff. And, and one time we were um, going into this world missions headquarters in Detroit area that was very famous for training missionaries. All kinds of different missions were a part of this thing. And we went in there, and there were people like coming out of the offices when they saw him. They're like, Mamo, Mamo, you know, and they're all running over and and me and one of my friends were just kind of standing back and going, who is this Mamo? You know, he's our friend, he's our teacher, but he was a super famous guy uh, to all these mission organizations. We had no idea because he was just a humble guy who role modeled his life in front of us and in front of others. And he told a really interesting story one time. And um, he said... He was in the village when the missionaries first came to them in Ethiopia. 
and in a you know the the grass-sided hut with the the mud walls and the dirt floor, the whole bit. Nobody knew about Jesus. They had their own traditional stuff. And he said missionaries came to his village, so that was his pers- perspective from from there. And he said they came in and they were sharing Christ and they were living there and doing all this stuff. But he says nobody was putting their trust in 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 Christ. And, and he said the main reason is we were all looking at these people going. Okay, they're talking about this perfect God, and these people are perfect, and there's no way that we can um, live up to this. So we're not going to become Christians because this is it's it's beyond what beyond what we can do. So one day, the missionary, for unknown reasons, back then, you know, you did crazy stuff, and some missionaries still do crazy stuff, but. Uh, he thought he would bring a piano into the village. I guess he figured a piano would be helpful. And so they put a piano on a cart, and I don't know how they were pulling it, but they were pulling it over the river, and it got stuck in the river on this cart. And the water started piling up behind it, and the piano was starting to get wet, and the villagers were there trying to push it out, and it wasn't working, and the missionary lost it. He just lost it. And he started yelling, and he started actually kicking people, like, get, push it, you know, and he's yelling, and he just totally lost it, you know. <laughs> and Mama was like, that's how God opened up our village. He said, these guys aren't perfect. He said, they're just like us, you know. And, and there was a big conversion in the village <laughs> after, that, after that happened. So an imperfect missionary who came and lost it was the example that they needed to come to Christ. I always thought that was a, a, terrific, a terrific way of, of, of looking at that. I want to talk to you about uh, some of the guys um, or people that we know at Kiniston. One of them is, is Clarence. Um, I, I came here a few years ago, and I think I talked about three brothers. I don't know if you remember that or not, but... This is the, the last remaining brother. And um, he, he had a, a rough upbringing. He lost, um, he lost his mom and his dad and his, uh, uh, two of his siblings. Um, uh, his wife, um, they had two daughters, and his wife got really addicted to uh, different kinds of drugs. And she just left the family and, and, and took off and was living on the streets or whatever for a couple of years. And um, um, Clarence just kept praying for her and waiting for her and raising his daughters. He quit work and just started raising his daughters full time. And his wife came back and she got on a uh, program to get off of drugs. She has to take some kind of medication daily to, to help her with that. Uh, she's been a couple years sober now. Uh, they're both working. They're raising their family there and uh, are incredibly faithful, regular people at uh, our Bible studies that we have. Now, Clarence isn't a perfect guy. He struggled with alcohol and different stuff. He grew up in a, in a rough home or whatever, but his ability to uh, wait for his wife and show the community that. He didn't just grab another wife, which is really common there. 
if somebody takes off, you just grab somebody else. But he waited, and uh, he prayed, and uh, they're, they're doing really well. So that's an incredible role model uh, to me to see in the, in the community there. Another one was um, uh, a guy named Everett. Uh, he's, he's passed away, but um, again, lived a rough life. Um, uh, we were a part of his life since he was, he was young too. And uh, um, even in his death, he was, he was faithful to Christ. But what came out of his death is that at the funeral, he told his family that they wanted me to share at, at the funeral, to share there. And that doesn't happen at Caniston. It's totally, it's totally run by the elders, the religious system there, the burials, the ceremonies, all that stuff. And outsiders and Christians especially aren't allowed to be a part of that. But because of his example and his desire for his family to hear about Christ, even in his death, I was able to share there uh, in that community um, at, at the funeral there. Another lady that is uh, a role model there too, um, and role models might look different there than, the, than they would here, but it's a rough place. Our role models are kind of rough, but role models uh, for Christ nonetheless. But um, there was an elder there. She was, she was not doing well, um, and she was uh, passing away. And everybody there calls the medicine men. They all come. They, they do their ceremony. They do stuff and put stuff on you and pray and, and do all these things. And she told her family, she said, I don't want any elders. Do not let any elders come and visit me in the hospital. She said, I want Darcy and Neil. I want them to come. And uh, just her act of doing that was a huge statement um, to, to the community. And it was interesting because we were there, and I didn't know where she was actually at spiritually. And I took this long time, and I shared my testimony and all these things and, and trying to point her to Christ and all this stuff. And, we, and she just sat there quiet the whole time and, and listened, and we got to the end, and and, and she looked at me and she said, don't worry, Neil, I put my trust in Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm like, you could have stopped me 30 minutes ago <laughs> and, and, and said that. But I was like, she was just letting me, letting me go on or whatever. Um, <clears throat> Mike, uh, the, the young guy that we just went down to Mexico with and, and his family, when he was, when he was uh, five years old, his mom and his auntie picked him up and took him to a boarding school um, a couple hours away, dropped him off, gave him $4, and said, we'll come back for you soon. And he didn't see him for a year. And he was in that boarding school for about nine years. And uh, when we were down in Mexico, we went to, uh, just this, this last trip, we went to um, a rehab there. And uh, I shared a bit, and then Mike, Mike told his story about, about growing up. And, and he was sharing about how, how hard it was and how he didn't have food growing up. And he used to couch surf, um, like he'd go from house to house to house and, and, and sleep on different people's 
couch is. He said the one good thing about the boarding school was is he said I got fed there. You know, I got I got uh, three meals a day, which he wasn't getting uh, at at home at the time. But uh, when he was a, a a teenager, we went to a, a youth conference, and he put his trust in Christ at this this youth conference, and. Um, you know, he, he hung out in our trailer, in our house, since he was a little guy, man. I remember him jumping from couch to chair to table to whatever. This guy was just wild, a wild kid. Um, but we had opportunity to, to live life with this kid and be a part of his life. And um, now he and his wife live in um, Spokane. And... Uh, um, they're they're doing well, and he still struggles. But um, he brought his wife and his teenage kids. His not teen one was a teenager, but brought his kids down on this trip, and we were able to spend a whole week with them, and hang out with them, and just kind of um, do life, live life together, and in, encourage one another. But one of the things he said there that I thought was was really important is he told the guys at the rehab. He says. You know, I, I, I love Jesus. I, I want to raise my kids in a good way and um, take care of them, make sure they have food and clothing and, and are loved. And, and, um, but he says, when I go back to um, um, the reserve two or three times a year, he says, a lot of times I, I'll drink when I'm there. He says, I just kind of fail when I go back. And he says, in our culture, we don't just... Drink is a social drink, but we, we drink to get drunk. And those guys could relate to what, what he was talking about. But uh, the profound thing that he said, but he says, when I'm in a Christian environment with other Christian people like now, I don't even think about it. He said the fellowship is so important, not only to get away from those things, but to have that fellowship so that... Um, People could be a strength um, for one another. You know, one of our staff, they call it doing life together. That's what we do as missionaries. We do life with other people. It's not about um, passing out things or going door to door or seeing people once a week. It's about living life, doing life with them. And another one of our staff just wrote uh, uh, an article, and it's called Life is Ministry and Ministry is Life. And it's, it's um, so true. I'd like to read um, Hebrews 13, 7. It says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. Just, just before that statement in, in chapter 13, if you go back to chapters 11 and 12, it talks about the, um, the people of faith in the Bible, kind of the um, hall of fame, right, for, for Christians, for Old Testament saints. saints. And um, uh, if you read through that list and you think about those people, those were not perfect examples of, of, of people all the time. Uh, 
they failed. You have everything from Rahab, who was a um, prostitute, who by faith God drew her to do to to help them, and she became a part of the the whole framework of Israeli society, and uh, even in the line of 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 Christ. You think of other ones that um, you know that are that are listed there who did not live perfect lives, but they're in this hall of this hall of fame. These people of faith, and um, people that um, we need to look at uh, for examples for us. But the Bible tells us that uh, you know we need to be examples. We need to be role models. You're going to role model something. So you might as well role model Christ-likeness. And um, all of us come from imperfect backgrounds and imperfect lives. And um, we have to get past that and understand that God calls us to be role models. Uh, wherever we're at, we, you try to be better, you try to do better. If your pastor's anything like me, he wakes up every morning and says, Jesus, help me, you know? Help me be a better person. Help me be a better missionary. Help me to be a better husband, a better father. And help me to, to role model Christ. And we're all, we're all told uh, to do that. That's, that's what we're, we're asked to do. We're asked to follow good role models, and we're asked to be role models um, to others. Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you. Um, Thank you for your love. I thank you for the role models that you uh, placed in my life that helped me from my parents to Mambo to Baba to the, the, the staff and the, the people on the reserve who I rub shoulders with uh, every day, Father. I just thank you for all their influence um, that they have on me. And I just pray that um, you'll help us to continue to be a, a good influence on others. And I just pray that everybody here would really uh, seriously take on that, um, that, that role of, of modeling Christ to others and to uh, make it a priority and be conscious of that and, um, and just draw in um, their families and their kids into that and, um, and see them grow up to be uh, strong and, and good role models for others uh, for you. Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for your patience, your incredible patience with us, and thank you for um, our salvation that, that comes um, wholly from you. In Jesus' name, amen.